I, I was just reading a couple of weeks ago how the, the Methodist Church, founded by John Wesley, that was focused on, on holiness and being righteous and living righteous, have split and over issues uh, of, of sexuality and, and, and choice and gender fluidity and everything else. And to be honest, it breaks my heart, and, and, and I don't like it. Uh, that 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 would happen but the reality is it's because culture has affected the church the church is supposed to affect culture not culture affect the church when Paul was writing and James was writing and 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 you say well why didn't they address things like like uh, uh, slavery and stuff in the scripture because they understood that if the church would do its job, if the church would hold its responsibility, then the Holy Spirit working in people would change culture and no longer would you need slavery because people would rise up and realize that that was wrong. There's a lot of things in, in, that aren't mentioned in Scripture because they are insignificant. They're, they're the symptom of the problem. The Scripture deals with the root of the problem. And if we deal with the root of the problem, then the symptoms will go away. So the, the Bible does not endorse these things. The Bible does endorse that, that you and I realize that the only way that we are going to make an impact and the only way that we are going to live for Christ is if holiness rules and reigns in our lives. And, and as a pastor, can I just share with you my own, this is my own opinion, my own theology. You don't have to agree. I'm right, though. I think it's time for the church, especially the church in America, to rise up and be counted. I believe with all of my heart that we have allowed culture to affect what we do, what we say, and who we are. And that's a slippery slope that will lead to doom and destruction. I think the reason why there are churches that are closing their doors every single week in America is because we have forgotten that it's our job to pursue with a passion what Christ has called us to do and to be. And it's time that you and I realize that we're not here to get along with society and to get along with culture just so so they will like us and make a and and you know and, and we're I'm just gonna say it and if I hurt your feelings I apologize. But I get tired of, of seeing that where where churches are trying to say everything and do everything just to make people feel good about themselves so they can get them in the church pew. It's time to realize that, that God is God and God has always been God and God always has demanded that men and women everywhere repent of their sins and move toward Him. 
And if you want to see real revival, if you want to see God move, if you want to see the miraculous, if you want to see the blessings of the Lord, we will not do it by being politically correct, but we will see it happen when you and I rise to the challenge of saying, holiness needs to be in me. And the only way I can be holy is by submitting my life to God. Paul, Paul writing, I've lost my notes. I've lost where I'm at. I'm blaming it on too much cider yesterday. There's a term that our society uses now as being woke. Not awake, woke, woke, W-O-K-E, woke, we're woke. And what it really means is that you're alert to the injustices in society. Amen, sister. (laughs) I think we need woke Christians. I think we need Christians that are alert to the slide of immorality or of morality within the church and says, okay, we're here, but we're not going to go any farther. In fact, we're going to do a turnaround. I think we need Christians that are are awake to the injustice of sin's direct influence that's affecting the church. According to Scripture, the church is to affect culture and not culture affect the church. And when, when Christians realize who they are, when you and I realize who we are in Christ, things will change. Do you know that you are the temple of God? What is a temple? That's a place where the presence of God lives and dwells. That's the place where people go to encounter God. We are the temple, the dwelling place of God. The church cannot be defeated when we know who we are. See, I believe in the grace of God. See, the grace of God is what we've received and it it diminishes all the rule and reign of sin and death in our life. Grace is receiving from God that which we did not deserve. We have eternal life given to us by God and we did not deserve it. Anybody here deserve eternal life? Aren't you thankful we have it? That's grace. However, in our culture, I see where the doctrine of grace has been tarnished and it's been diminished to permit people to do whatever they want because, hey, we live in grace. Here's what Scripture says about that. What shall we say then? Paul speaking to the church in Rome in Romans 6, 1. Shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? God forbid. Sin has no place in the children of God. And I believe today in our culture, uh, at the ebb and flow of church throughout history, I believe we're at a point, we're at a a time, we're at the apex of a 
in, in a position where God is calling his people, men and women. He is calling us to a deeper relationship with the grace of God. And the grace of God is the holiness of God living in us. There's a full and abundant life awaiting each and every one of us that is willing to say, I surrender all. Lord, I'm in. And you say, is it just that easy? Not really. It takes work. I love when people preach with me. You're a sister. When you, when you get up and do the little three in the morning feedings, which I don't do near as much as everybody else does, but when she starts talking to you like that, it's like, Paul in 2 Corinthians, if you want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul's talking to the church in, in Corinth, and, and they've been going through some issues. 2 Corinthians is actually 3 Corinthians because uh, 1 Corinthians is actually 2 Corinthians, and we don't know what 1 Corinthians is because it's not even there. Uh, but the church had written to Paul, Paul had written back, and they wrote back, written back to Paul, and Paul addressed those issues, and they had written to him again. And, and now we find that Paul is addressing some more issues in 2 Corinthians. And one of the issues that he is dealing with is the same topic that I've been talking about, is understanding who we are and not allowing the culture to affect us, but affecting culture. To be a change agent, to be the catalyst for change in the world around us. To see our world turned right side up for Jesus Christ. And Paul goes on in, in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, he says, Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? He, he starts off with these, with these comparisons, these analogies, these oxymorons, these words that don't go together. You, ever, you know what I'm talking about, like jumbo shrimp? Are you jumbo or are you a shrimp? You know, hot water heater. It's a cold water heater. Think about that. Military intelligence. I'm kidding. No, but here, here's, here's Paul, and, he, and he's talking to the church, and, and he's giving them these comparisons. And he said, he, and he's talking about this same subject of rising to the challenge of, of the day and, and being who Christ says we are and living it out and seeing the glory of God manifest in our life. And he said, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Unequally yoked. And that's not something that, that is a, a term that we use these days. I don't know if there's any farmers in, in here, but, but if you have two, two uh, animals and they're not equally yoked, if they're not pulling in the same direction, you're not going to get a lot of work done. And, and Paul is, is saying, don't be unequally yoked. See, sin and righteousness don't pull in the same direction. In fact, God wants you to go that way, and sin wants you to go that way. You ever been there where you really wanted to do something that God didn't really want you to do? Boy, that's a tough place to be, isn't it? And the only way that you can get in harmony with God 
and be equally yoked is if you follow him. Because I'm going to give you a hint. I'm going to give you a secret. I'm going to tell you a secret, right? The Holy Spirit will never change its direction. The Holy Spirit just doesn't change. He's always going to move you toward righteousness. Always moving toward holiness. And if we're wrestling with the Holy Spirit, this is a free one. If we're wrestling with the Holy Spirit in our life, it's not because the Holy Spirit woke up on the wrong side of the bed and is just trying to irritate you. It's because we have something in our life that we're wrestling to get rid of and we're unequally yoked and we're pulling away from God. And I'm not only a spokesperson for that, I'm a member. All of us have those times, don't we? But here's the thing. This is what the scripture talks about doing away with that. It, it, he, the scripture talks about repentance. Repentance is a turnaround. It, it's, a, it's a 180 degree. It's not 45 degrees because you're still going to be in opposition. And if you want to be equally yoked with what God is asking you to do, if you really want to see the presence of God moving and abounding in your life, it requires that you and I do a 180 and begin to passionately follow after the Spirit. Not our own way, but His way. He said, don't, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, those that really just don't believe in Christ, those that don't believe in allowing Christ to change them, those that choose to remain the same. I'm going to be very, very honest with you, and, and, I, and I love this church, and there is no place I would rather be. You are the most amazing people in the world. You're the best-looking people in the world. You're the most intelligent people in the world. Any more praise I can give you? I'm running out of praise, but, but I, if, if you can think of something that's real positive, it's you. But here's the thing. For us to go from where we are to where God wants us to go is going to require us to follow him. To follow him. I, I like singing the hymns today. Anybody enjoy those? All right. You know, when they first came out, the sacred hymns, uh, the church ignored them. Didn't like them. Everything that we do uh, has a beginning, and, and not everything was accepted at first. Here, the reality is it doesn't, to me, I like singing pretty much everything except for Camp Town Races. And, uh, but it doesn't matter what we're singing or what we're doing as long as we're following the Lord. And I would encourage all of us, let's, as a family of God, let's follow after him. So he goes on to say, and in what fellowship? Fellowship is like brotherly love. It's, it's relationship. It's a close bond, a close knit. He said, what kind of close knit relationship can righteousness have with unrighteousness? And the answer is, you can't. You can't have an agreement with righteousness and unrighteousness. And then he goes on to say, what communion? What living together? Communion. How, do, how does light and darkness live together? You ever go in a dark room and turn the light on? And all of a sudden you can see. 
But where did the darkness go? See, light and darkness can't live in harmony because light, by its very nature, dispels, removes darkness. Paul is talking to the church and he's saying, you can't, if you really want to perfect holiness in your life, if you really want to be the temple of God, if you really want to see God work and move and, and have rule and reign in your life, if you want to see what the promises of God in your life, you can't have communion with things of darkness. He said, what harmony is there between Christ and Belial or Christ and the devil? And, and that harmony, that's where we get our word symphony. A beautiful sound. He said, how do, how do you get a sweet sound when, when you have Christ and the adversary? And the answer is you can't. And, and Paul continues to go on through this passage of Scripture. And he, and he continues to help the church understand that, that we are different than the culture of the world. That we have been set apart. That, that we are not darkness, but we are light that we are not unrighteousness but we're righteousness we are not we are not part of this world but we're part of the body of Christ and he said if you really want to be effective if you really want to live a, a godly life if you really want to see God work and rule and reign in your life then you have to get to the understanding that there's only one place or enough place in your heart for one. He goes on in 2 Corinthians 6, 16. He says, what agreement is there between the temple of God and who is the temple of God? We are. He said, what agreement, what, what kind of contract can you write up between the temple of God and idols? And he's trying to help us understand that, that if you really, really want to see God move in your life, you have to make a decision. And that's to remove the idols that we have placed in our life and allow Christ to sit on the throne of our heart. Because there's only room on, in the, on the throne of our heart for one. Paul goes, is, is encouraging the church. And he's saying, don't you know that we're the temple of God? That God is going to use us to do amazing things. That wherever you are, that's where the presence of God is. And, and for Christ, there, uh, for Paul rather, Christ was an either or. You either follow him or you don't follow him. There was no middle of the road. There was no allowing culture to affect the church. But church was going to change culture. And, and I, I'm here today to encourage all of us to choose Spirit of God. I'm going to ask uh, Chad to please come back and the praise team. Uh, Sam will be back next week. He's taking some days off and he needed to. He was getting grumpy. <laughs> Not really. God has great things in store for you. Would you stand with me? I want to say that again. God has great things in store for you.
Would you look over at somebody next to you and say, God has great things in store for you? When we were getting ready for this wedding, we cleaned the house a lot. Because we knew we had company coming. By we, I mean Nancy, and she made me help her. I didn't want to at first, because I thought it looked just great. And then she pointed out where I'd left my pair of shoes over there, and another pair over there, and another pair over there. And, and as I started cleaning with her, I realized, wow, I'm a slob. It's amazing when you start cleaning, you start seeing things that you just grew accustomed to. It's like painting that one wall in the house because it had that one spot on it. And then you realize, oh my goodness, every wall in the house needs to be painted. You ever do that? When we start getting to the place where we perfect holiness in our life by surrender to the will of God and allow him to have rule and reign, all you have to do is give him one thing. Just give him one thing. There are people here right now that are thinking, okay, I, I know what the Lord wants me to give up. Can I encourage you? Give it to him. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to give him that one thing. And he is going to open your eyes. Because when you surrender that one thing to him, and he replaces it with the holiness of God, the beauty of God, the brightness of God, the purity of God, the, the love of God that transcends all things. And when, when he takes that room that you have given him and he paints that wall and you look at it and it is so glorious, you're going to look around the rest of your, your heart. You're going to look out around the rest of your life and you're going to say, man, if God can do that, what could he do with the rest of my heart? Can I encourage you right now? Uh, I'm getting off notes, but I haven't been on them most of the day anyway. Uh, can I ask you to do, do yourself a favor? If you would just close your eyes with me. And between you and God, one thing. I don't care how small you think it is. I don't care how great you think it is. One thing that you have wrestled with, and you know, you know that God wants you to surrender that attitude. He wants you to surrender that habit. He wants you to surrender that desire. Whatever it may be, right now, at this time, at this moment, would you just say, Lord, perfect holiness in me and give give it to him 